1: The Joyce Kaufman podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Well, here it comes. You know, I, I, I mean, my husband has been saying for over a year now that the dark clouds are rolling in and. Everybody thinks that he's kind of nuts, you know. But he pointed to specific things over the last year that were pretty pretty clear in the minds of anyone who has A, studied scripture, and B, is aware of what's going on around the world politically. China is ready to fight. I want you to think about that for a second. China is ready to fight. That's the headline in the Associated Press. They were running drills near Taiwan, and they declared this morning that they're ready to fight after completing these three days of large-scale combat exercises around Taiwan. And basically what they did was they simulated sealing off the island. And this was done in response to the uh, president of Taiwan coming to Congress, coming to the US last week. The combat readiness patrols named Joint Sword were meant as a warning to self-governing Taiwan, which China, of course, says it belongs to them. And the theater's troops, this is a quote, okay? The theater's troops are ready to fight at all times and can fight at any time to resolutely smash any form of Taiwan independence and foreign interference attempts. Okay? These are kind of like the exercises that they did last August when they launched missile strikes on targets in the seas around Taiwan. And that was in retaliation for Speaker Nancy Pelosi went to visit. Um, you, you just, you can't make this stuff up. And let me tell you something. Every couple of days, I go through this kind of emotional um, roller coaster. I'm sure you all do. The emotional roller coaster for me is I just want to throttle people who are, you know, just have joined in on this bandwagon of he can't win, Trump can't win, he can't win, people don't like him, independent voters don't like him, swing voters don't like him. I don't care who likes him. If you want to be alive in 30 years, if you want to have a country, In five, you better get over it because I don't see anybody else on the horizon who can handle what's about to unfold. You know, military experts say that this is a way of intimidating, but it's also a tremendous opportunity for Chinese troops to practice what they'll have to do, which is seal off Taiwan. They'll block the sea traffic. They'll block the air traffic. And and that's it. Once they do that, and they launch a military strike against Taiwan, it's game over. And this was, uh, you know, in response to President Tsai Ing-wen's very, you know, careful let's say careful mission to shore up the diplomatic alliances in Central America and to make sure the United States is still on board to defend him, and and that resulted in a meeting, a very sensitive meeting with the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, in California, no less. And a U.S. congressional delegation also met with Tsai over the weekend in Taiwan after she got back. Oh, yes, the leader of Taiwan is a woman. Now, I don't know her. I don't know much about her history. But if you think Xi Jinping doesn't Uh, look at her and the old man we have sitting in the White House and just cluck, oh yeah, you know, he's chomping at the bit. China wants to use any increase of any kind of diplomatic interactions between the United States and Taiwan as an excuse to run these training missions. It's a way of training for the mission. And, And Beijing says that any more contact between foreign officials and the island's government, which, by the way, is a democratically elected government that wants Taiwan to formally be independent from China, China's already said the CCP has already said that means war. <laughs> they, they split, in case anybody doesn't remember, in 1949 after a civil war, and the Communist Party says the island is obliged to rejoin the mainland, even if they got to force them to. Right after Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan, they had missile strikes on targets in the seas all around Taiwan, I remember it quite well. They were also sending warships and warplanes over the median line of the Taiwan Strait. They fired missiles over the island itself, which landed in Japan's economic zone, which is an exclusive economic zone, And that was considered a pretty substantial, significant expansion, okay? Live fire exercises disrupted flights and shipping in one of the busiest shipping lanes for global trade this week. Uh, You know, now they kept moving. The ships kept moving. Traffic was still moving. But it, it grows ever clearer to me that... We're heading into a very perilous war. And, and I'm looking at all the people allied against us now. You know, the United States, the former superpower, because we're not anymore, let's just, let's just admit it. We are now uh, being threatened by the uh, Chinese Communist Party. We're being threatened by the Iranian mullahs. We're being threatened by the Central American cartels. We're being laughed at in countries that didn't used to have the nerve to laugh at us. It's just horrendous. And, you know, the People's Liberation Army is still the People's Liberation Army. They sent a, an aircraft carrier into the exercises that were all around Taiwan for the very first time ever. They showed a video of a fighter jet taking off the deck of the ship and then they posted on the social media uh, app we- Weibo or Weibo whatever they call that thing. I've heard it said both ways so I'm just going to go I'm going to go with Weibo cuz I like it sounds like eggs I don't know. In the future if there's a similar military maneuver then Taiwan will have to face it alone according to Hangan Ming a research fellow at the government-backed Institute for National Defense and Security Research. This is serious. And and what's amazing to me is, you know, you get a little bit of news about it, a little bit, you know, nothing major. And the rest of the headlines are about whatever the liberal left media thinks will make you forget that China is about to start World War Three, and Russia is Uh, holding hands with China and the mullahs are holding hands with him. Okay. But, but you, you ought to be talking about the gunman in downtown Louisville. Not that my heart doesn't, you know, hurt when I hear about some guy storming into a bank, killing four people. Another six people seem to be uh, in the hospital. Um, I don't know if the four includes the shooter. I know the shooter was killed, but I don't know if that number includes him, but he's a disgruntled ex-worker. And now all I'm going to hear about is guns. Not about, you know, frustration. Not about, it. listen to my No Restraint podcast. I, I, I talk about an article I read on Substack, on the free press, about the most beleaguered demographic in America today is white, middle-class, blue-collar working men. Did you hear me? It's not LGBTQP transverse. Nope, nope, it's not them. It's not African-Americans. Nope, not them. Not brown people, Hispanic people. Nope, not them. It's white, blue-collar, middle-class workers who are dying in record numbers. Their life expectancy keeps diminishing. Suicide, depression, uh, just horrendous things. So when you see a gunman storming a bank, instead of thinking like, whoa, you know, we have too easy access to guns, how about thinking we got a lot of depressed people out there and they're getting crazy? That's what I think. And, and, and we're going to talk about that endlessly for the next 48 hours. The White House is going to say, that's it. I'm signing an executive. I know. I know what's coming. I'm used to it already. Right? And, and they, just, they just don't get it. You know, the Republicans are now talking about bombing Mexico. Uh, you think I'm kidding? Prominent Republicans are rallying around the idea that to solve the fentanyl crisis, America must bomb it away. Now, Donald Trump's been talking about sending special forces over there. He's been talking about cyber warfare to target the cartel, uh, you know, leadership. He says if he's reelected president, he wants to strike Mexico. Now, striking Mexico doesn't necessarily mean bombing them, but it might. And you got our guy, Mike Waltz, the Republican from Florida. You got Dan Crenshaw from Texas. They just introduced a bill seeking authorization to use military force and go to war with the cartels. So everywhere I turn, it's not just rumors of war anymore. It's declarations of war We're Fighting in the Ukraine against Russia. We're going to be fighting in the uh, Asian Pacific for, over Taiwan with China We've got the mullahs who are not just close anymore. They've got nuclear weapons and they're targeting Israel and they they are going to ultimately target the Western civilization. And we're talking about bombing Mexico? I I mean, somebody help me here. When did did the Republican Party uh, or the Democrat Party really think they could throw around these terms in this manner when we're no longer the superpower. I mean, they better change their mouths. They better, uh, they better guard their tongues. And yes, nobody's more concerned about the 71,000 Americans who died in 2021 from the synthetic opioid and overdosing on fentanyl. That's more people than died in the entire Vietnam War. And the DEA said that most of the fentanyl distributed by two cartels is being mass produced at secret factories in Mexico with chemicals sourced largely from China. But bomb Mexico, I mean, come on, guys. I mean, these are very perilous times. I can only think of one man who could get us through this. Really, and if you can think of somebody else, and if you think it's Ron DeSantis, good for you. Make the argument, you know, send me an email. But I'm telling you, right now. I don't believe that Donald Trump's gonna bomb Mexico. He's got better planes than that. Better plans than planes. Anyway, I gotta take a break. Um, don't forget to download our app, 850 WFTL, that's the app, and you can join our contests. We're giving away tickets to Bites and Spirits. We're giving away tickets to the um, Fork Cancer event we just got good prizes, but you got to either have the app and join it on and, you know, registered on there to win or go to the website, 850wftl.com. I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I hopefully will be able to talk with Rod Derillis. We kept trying last week, but we had phone problems.
2: you can also find it on uappodcast.com
1: Bill you don't want to know what i would do if a hysterical person started screaming at me in a parking lot these days cuz i'm my la- i'm on my last nerve and it's frayed big time Rod Derilis is a navy veteran he's an international and uh, business and maritime attorney he was the former Republican congressional candidate and he was a General Counsel to U.S. Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross during the Trump administration, and I've been trying to get him on for days. How are you, Rod?
0: Hi, Joyce. so good to finally hear you. I'm sorry about uh, what, just what's what been happening these past couple of days.
1: It's okay. It was happening with everybody. It wasn't just you. We were having all kinds of phone problems, and I also apologize because I know you're a busy lawyer, and, and having a son who's a lawyer, you guys— are always on the move, so I get it. But there's two things i got to talk to you about. One is the editorial I saw on Fox that you had written about, you know, what is going on at the Pentagon? What is this, you know, ridiculous ideology they're pushing in an era where China is doing war games right now off the coast of Taiwan? Can we afford to be like
0: this? No, we cannot, Joyce. Uh, I'm sorry to sour the mood, but um, this is... A great issue that I believe your listeners and much of the Americans need to understand what's going on with the with the uh, Department of Defense and Biden administration. I mean, literally, you know, instead of talking about how we need to project strength or, you know, ensuring that we have peace through strength, uh, we're over here talking about how the armed services um, need to have a safe space for folks who need to feel validated and affirmed about you know, his or her own journey of self-discovery. And so you know, you're having the Biden officials who are telling or testifying before Congress, the House Armed Services Committee, that the reason why we are having such a drag on the recruitment efforts from the next generation to join the military of those who want to serve – they're blaming that instead not on physical safety, but actual on what you guessed it, yeah. discrimination, right? Yeah, and what kind of discrimination they're talking about? Not only uh, that of the racial uh, and ethnic lines, but transgenderism as well. Ugh. And to be frank with you, as a black Navy veteran, I find that very insulting uh, to suggest that to suggest that you know folks, shipmates, sailors, uh, members in the other branches will feel less safe serving alongside their comrades or their shipmates then fighting against actual enemies in battle is absurd to me Mm. and instead of actually looking at some of the underlying issues that i think they should be uh reviewing which would be um you know what about biden's attempt to purge the military of actual patriots or their approach to the coronavirus or how about their incompetency with foreign policy so far are, you know, their withdrawal from Afghanistan, are those issues that people are seeing? Because I'll tell you what, uh, Joyce, um, I didn't tell you this um, initially when I first left or finished with my campaign um, for Congress. And I actually thought about going back and serving again in the military, this time in the reserves as a JAG or some type of line officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought long and hard about it. And for the very reasons I just named off to you, I felt like it would be more harmful for me to join not because that i would feel discriminated against for my skin color because of my skin color but no because of the incompetency that i would have to endure uh while in um and you know me, Joyce, it's hard for me to keep my mouth shut and, and having to uh, speak up and protect those who are underneath me. I, I would have to uh, stand up and I would eventually get in trouble. So I said no. <laughs> yeah. um, it's 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 a horrible time that uh, we live in, and we need to take our military uh, readiness seriously. And that's what I feel like the Biden administration is lacking in.
1: Yeah. Well, look, I wake up this weekend to find out that Taiwan's running military exercises, and the headline on the Drudge Report is China is ready for war. Well, we're not, you know, we, we've, we've got, we're expending all this uh, capital in the Ukraine and whether or not you think, you know, this is the stand we have to take supporting Ukraine against Russia, Russia and, and China are now pay, playing footsie. The mullahs in Iran have nuclear capabilities and the cartels are killing our, our young people. And, and this is a time where we're gonna worry about what kind of pronoun you use when you refer to a shipmate? I think it's 0.06% of Americans identify as transgendered. How many of them are going into the military? Three?
0: That's correct. That's that's right. So if you look at the, the statistics, you know, overwhelming majority of those who are coming in to the military are those of, uh, you know, uh, of, black descent, right, Join the military in droves, and um, transgenderism, I mean, it's less than 1% in this country. Um, And so they're recommending absurd policies to include, you know, dorm assignments to drug therapies. And uh, you know, the issue here, I think, Joyce, is not only um, are they trying to find an absurd issue to put forward uh, as their agenda to the American people and taking their eye off the the ball when it comes to our national security, um, they're recommending things like eliminating qualifying exams or issuing uh, personality testing and and lowering the standard for people to come into the military, right? And I think these are all harmful uh, policies towards the military safety, their effectiveness, their quality. Um, to illustrate this point further, I mean, I, I might get in trouble for even mentioning this, but this is just my... Uh, personal experience when I joined the military and through boot camp when I uh, went when I uh, actually was going through the, the what you call basic swim call testing I failed I failed the initial the first time the first round mm-hmm. and they placed me into this remedial course and I walked I remember walking into this room and seeing um, the the entire room I kid you not Joyce were were filled with people who failed and what color were they they were all uh, uh black uh Black Americans, and I'm not trying to say there's a stereotype going on, but what if the, the Biden administration now today say, well, in order for us to advance our DEI, um, our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative, we should just eliminate basic swim calls, uh, because that's harming uh, the ability to retain uh, African Americans from joining, or transgender folks who feel like they they won't have access to gender-affirming uh, medicine. I mean, this is absurd, and China's not playing around. So why mm-hmm. are we playing around? We're literally getting laughed at on the world stage um, as, as our allies. Will, folks who typically would be viewed as our allies are turning their back on us. You know, look at what the President Macron f- from uh, – about the United States, um, undermining our our ability to say that we are going to remain united against any type of invasion on Taiwan. I mean, this is all absurd, Joyce.
1: It is. It is. And look, I know that you were one of my— I have a bunch of friends who were at Mar-a-Lago last week when the president came back from this insanity that's going on in New York with Alvin Bragg. You know, what was the mood there? What's what's his mood?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, that night at Mar-a-Lago, I mean, initially folks were— uh, a bit gleeful and happy in the sense of they, they haven 't seen you know similar faces in a while, but we we're also um, saddened by the occasion under the circumstances for which we were meeting, and a lot of the folks there were um, you know rightfully so thinking how this has completely changed Rubicon when it comes to um, our country and our democracy so i don 't want to i don 't want to hear anything from Folks like on the left wing who are saying that democracy will die um, if Republicans are elected or if Donald Trump is elected because what they're doing now in subverting our justice system is literally pushing folks – the layperson who would would initially think that they can go to the judicial system – to have their grievance heard, now they're going to believe that this whole thing is rigged and they're going to have less faith in our system, which is going to cause them to turn to themselves for self-help. And that's how we get to the uh, the breaking of the union.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And But the, the, Donald seems uh, convinced that he's going to go the whole way regardless, even if he has to run under indictment or two indictments or even three indictments as an attorney. Can he do that?
0: Say that again. You were you were
1: cut off. I said I said, uh, said the Donald seems to say that no matter what he's going to run and he's going to win and I'm in his camp so that sounds good to me. But uh, uh, from a legal perspective, can he run under indictment or multiple indictments?
0: Yes, yes, he can. He can. He'll. You know when you're when you're indicted, you're supposed to be presumed innocent yeah, right. right instead of what Nancy Pelosi was saying that uh now he can prove his innocence mm-hmm. um you know he can he'll definitely it's totally fine for him to run while uh facing an indictment will it cause him to to be viewed as toxic amongst some yes. Uh, will he overcome it? I believe so. He'll, believe he'll mm-hmm. over- overcome all of this. And what people are seeing is that a lot of it's just a farce, and it's it's uh, a politicization of our judicial system.
1: Yeah, and it's tragic, especially for attorneys. Even my, you know, my friends who are liberal attorneys are outraged by this. Uh, Rod, always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for you know get, coming on board. We'll talk again soon.
0: All right. Thanks, Joyce.
1: All right. Let me uh, take a break. We're going to come back. I'm going to be talking with Mark Kerkorian from the Center for Immigration Studies because, let me tell you, what's going on in the country right now has me wild-eyed. I'm trying to stay calm, but it's really tough. Stay right where you are. I'll be back with Mark Krikorian. All righty then. Always a pleasure to talk to my friend Mark Kerkorian at the Center for Immigration Studies. And We actually have something to kind of be somewhat uh, happy about today, Mark, in spite of everything that's going on in the world. Um, A lawsuit looks like it might have some chance of winning against the Southern Poverty Law Center. How cool is that?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, good news. Now, as Churchill said during World War II, this isn't the end. It's not even the beginning of the end, but it is the end of the beginning because (laughs) all that's happened— is that the lawsuit is now, has not been thrown out and is now going to actually, you know, be underway. They, uh, there's going to be discovery taking place, which is to say that the two parties can now, you know, demand information from each other. And the lawsuit, in other words, the lawsuit is underway. The, the initial steps have been passed. And this is the first time that's happened. Right. in any lawsuit against this uh, smear organization called the Southern Poverty Law Center. So it's, uh, you know, it's an important development. It's, you know, it's not over yet. It's just starting, but it's really good news. And The lawsuit's brought by an activist up in uh, Atlanta, right. D.A. King, who's uh, a, a sort of whirlwind of activity up there. He's the one reason um, the Atlanta legislature has actually passed some good things in the past, and because of that, the SPLC has smeared him, um, and um, you know he's uh, he's pushing back, and more power to him.
1: More power to him, but he's fighting a Goliath with a with a, a rock, a stone. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm absolutely. encouraging my listeners to go to the GoFundMe page because they're tackling these very deep pockets and really on behalf of a lot of organizations. I mean, uh, Center for Immigration Studies has been cited as a hate group, an anti-immigrant hate group. I was on that list one year. I, I mean, somebody's got to win one of these cases.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, more power to DA. We sued. Um, under a we sued under RICO, right. uh, under a novel legal theory that didn't work out, but it was the only way we could push back. Um, and his deep pockets comment is right because the SPLC. I think the most recent numbers I saw it has assets, some of which are in uh, you know in overseas banks like in the Cayman Islands or whatever, of more than six hundred million dollars. Um, and you know they just amass this money from uh, small contributions and also from you know Hollywood knuckleheads who think this is a good thing. And yet the organization isn't just a smear merchant, but it's had all kinds of problems. It had to fire its own founder because of accusations of racism and sexism. It fired the president. Or you know he was he resigned to spend more time with his family that kind of thing. So right. this is an organization that's itself, even apart from the work it does, is really suspect. Yeah. And when you add on top of that this guilt by association smearing of all kinds of people, some of I mean some of them are not smears. I mean you know there there really are bad guys out there, but they're basically trying to equate anyone who disagrees with their radical left politics as a hater. And that just can't be allowed to stand.
1: No. And, you know, involving all of these other groups in what was originally an organization that was, you know, a civil rights movement, uh, you know, no, when I first heard about the Southern Poverty Law Center, I thought, "Oh, this is great! If they're going to push back against Jim Crow laws and they're going to give power to the powerless," and the next thing I know, you know, they're the defenders of transgender activists. What does that got to do with racism? You know, uh, yeah, no, immigrants.
2: Yeah, but that whole that whole pose was always fake, frankly, mm. because the guy who founded it, Morris Dee, who actually was for—he's the guy who was forced to resign. Right. He he founded it as a direct mail fundraising operation. In other words, it was always about money. He, in fact, Morris Dees, is a member of the Direct Marketing Association, in other words, the junk mail people, the Direct Marketing Association Hall of Fame. (laughs) So even from the beginning, it was never really about what they said it was about. It was just a fundraising racket, a grift. And Mm -hmm. that's, it's become spectacularly successful at that the problem is that even law enforcement sometimes used to take their word for these smears and it's you know it's hurt a lot of people and organizations including mine but a lot of others as well
1: yeah and and what's so amazing is these lists you know these hate watch lists that they've put out And sometimes they're they're shown to be so absurd, like including a a black man on the list who they said was a racist, you know? And it's like, I'm just... I sit here and I think, how is it that the American people, who are collectively pretty smart, I mean, I know a lot of dumb individuals, but collectively, we're a pretty smart nation. How is it that we've tolerated this and allowed it to grow into being the final say for Facebook and Google and and for a long time for Twitter as well as to who hates and who doesn't?
2: Yeah, and even more scarily, you know, the FBI. Yeah. Uh, and local law enforcement, they they did this, you know, they they posed as, you know, friends of law enforcement. Of course, at this point, it are really just, like I said, a radical left organization. Um, it has happened to a lot of groups on the left, like the ACLU right. is no longer about civil liberties. It's just an adjunct of the broader radical left. And the SPLC has become the same thing. It started out. Just as a fundraising gimmick and it's continued that and been extremely successful but also now uses its clout for political purposes and that has serious consequences for instance, a guy used their hate list a number of years back to to go to one of the supposed hate groups the family Research council right uh, to go and kill people um he took a gun he was going to shoot a bunch of people the heroic uh, security guard, this was in D.C., not far from my office, he got shot, but he recovered and he stopped this guy. But if he hadn't, he had every intention of killing everybody in that office. And it was because of the SPLC's hate list.
1: Oh, yeah. And I look at the names. I mean, we both probably have plenty of uh, associates on the hate list. And, yep. you know, when I think of the Nation of Islam being on the same list as, for instance, Brigitte Gabrielle's Act for America, you know, that's such yep. an outrage.
2: And the whole thing, even this hate, this hate map with these lists, it's a complete amateurish thing anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're devoting work to finding, you know— uh, neo-Nazi cells and who's related to whom and all this kind of stuff. No, nonsense. They list as a hate group, you know, a P.O. box of some gadfly. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it's they're basically just trying to pad these numbers because their direct mail letters asking for money need to have the situation get worse and worse every year because yeah. they need to say, we need your $50 tomorrow in order to fight uh, you know whatever uh and so it always the situation always has to get worse and so they always need to add new supposed hate groups we for instance center for immigration studies existed for i don't know what 25 years before they finally magically discovered we were a hate group right after donald trump's election
1: interesting uh,
2: which, you know we weren't involved in but it was obvious Political decision on their part. It had nothing to do with us. It had everything to do with their political agenda.
1: Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, the, I knew that they were totally uh, corrupt when they started going after individuals, you know, radio hosts and things like that, yep. because w- there's no power, there's no organization. They just raise money on it. Uh, they they had an organization that they listed in Pompano Beach, Florida, where I have resided in that environment for 45 years, something called the Israel United in Christ. And they said it was a general hate group. I have spent mm. seven years trying to track down this, tr- uh, this group in my backyard. They don't exist. There is no such yeah. group.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I don't think they probably just made the name up out of whole cloth, although, you know, I wouldn't put that past them. But probably what they did is they saw some reference somewhere, some commenter on a website said, you know, gave his name and gave that organ, something like that. And they said, aha, another hate group. And so it just pads their statistics, like I said, so they can, when they send out their fundraising requests, they can say they're everywhere, they're under your bed, they're around your corner. Give us money, and it's the only way for, that you can, that we can protect you from them. It's just
1: shameless. It is shameless, and, and I think it has a great deal. These li- this list has endangered people's legal rights. I mean, I don't know what happened on January 6th. I don't know the whole story because they refused to tell us the truth and the whole story, but when I look at the trial of the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers and people like that, you know, when you go into a trial in D.C. of all places and you're, the uh, jury pool is told that you're a part of a hate group Well, how does that color the decision that they make? I mean, it's just such an outrage to me.
2: Yeah, that's the point. I mean, that is the point. Um, It's to give ammunition to their allies to censor speech and to um, basically uh, suppress dissidents. And, um, you know, and this is long before any of this January 6th business, long before Trump even came along. It's just that Trump turned out to be this, you know, gold mine for the SPLC. I mean, if I didn't know better, you know, I'd think they were the ones running his campaign because, you know, they get to point to him all the time and they give us another hundred dollars because Trump is under your bed. You know what right. I mean? It's just, it's perverse.
1: It is perverse, but you know, we, we just got to keep fighting the good fight, you know, Mark, it's a we know that they're out to get us. That's not paranoia. That's reality. Um, yeah. and, and we fight. That's all we can do is fight. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I wanted to find out you know, what the status was this case. And like I said, I'm sending everyone to the GoFundMe page because the Dustin Inman Society is a little tiny organization. They cannot fight the multi-million dollar SPLC, but somebody's got to stand. And if they're willing Absolutely. to stand, we ought to support them. That's all.
2: And just, and just to sort of confirm your point here, I know the guy. This, his name is D.A. King, who runs this little organization. There's no – this is not a grift. He mm-hmm. spends his own money on – he's had to mortgage his own house and all this. So this is not some fundraising scam like the SPLC. This is the real thing. I know mm-hmm. the guy. I've known him for years. This is not a scam. This is a genuine uh, – the genuine the deal.
1: Yeah, so let's make sure that the rock in David's hand is actually, you know, got the got enough power to bring down Goliath. Thanks again, yep, Mark, for exactly. coming on. Give my best to everybody up there. Thank you. All a lot. right. All right. I got to take a break, and then I'll come back and I'll wrap this show up for today. But uh, don't forget, at one o'clock, Dan Bongino comes your way. At four o'clock, Ben Shapiro comes your way. And then, of course, uh, the rest of the evening will proceed. It's kind of raining where I am. I don't know if it's raining where you are, but just stay dry and stay safe. And I'll be right back. Oh, my goodness. And and what's going on over there? As you know, now the Ukrainians are counterattacking and the Russian troops are digging in. And, you know, they have a mega trench. A 45-mile-long mega-trench that the Russian troops have dug um, as like a fortification. It's so big that it can be seen from space. And it's about 50 miles behind the Russian front lines. And that tells you that... What's going on there, we're not getting most of the information. I have to read papers from Great Britain and from France and from, uh, you know, even papers from uh, uh, neutral countries, you know, whether it's uh, Finland, Switzerland, countries that, well, Finland's now part of NATO, and that irritated everybody over there. And I just look at all these headlines, and I don't know what to say. You know, the... Are we going to have a president who will be 86 years old in the White House, in Joe Biden, and not even a spry 86-year-old? Because at 82, he's not spry. I know in four years, he's not going to, or in five years, he's not going to be spry. And and now, you know, they're talking about, oh, the the great Gavin Newsom. You know, this is what the Democrats have come up with. Now, mind you, you know, uh when California Governor Gavin Newsman said he's not running for president, it's not a question of is he running for president, it's a question of when he's going to run for president. He's 55 years old. And everybody has known his intentions. And while no Democrat has ever jumped from the governor's mansion in California to the White House, he could be the first. Ronald Reagan did it, but he wasn't a Democrat, you know. And, and, and I look at this, he's building this national profile, and I'm thinking to myself, only, only with a Joe Biden in the White House would, would he attempt this now. And, and it's just, it's so disturbing. And I, I watch, and I, I look, and I think, and I ask questions, and ultimately... Nobody wants to talk about these things. Instead, they want to talk about should transgendered males, you know, compete against females, right? You know, or who was at the White House Easter Egg Roll? You know, it's just it's so frustrating for someone who is interested in what's going on in the world because there's there's wars on multiple fronts, there's a culture war, and And we don't have, uh, you know, competent leadership on either side. You know, and now we're hearing uh, that, that there were classified documents that got leaked from the Pentagon, okay, the Department of Defense, that, you know, need an official investigation. There's always an official investigation because these are documents about the war in Ukraine, you know, Tons of documents are all over the internet. You know, I spend most of my time doing research online. I don't believe the news. I don't like the opinion guys on the news um, because they just, you know, look, they're compelling. That's why they are successful. But they don't tell me the news. So I have to pour through documents and look at, you know, foreign news sources and some American news sources and some investigative journalists who are still out there doing their jobs. But I'm looking at all of these documents that are on all these social media sites over the last two, three weeks. Some of them look like they have high level U.S. security clearance, and it's everything from our assessment of the war in Ukraine to intelligence that we're gathering on our allies. What? According to the New York Times and and some of the other outlets, the initial document leaks focused on this war in Ukraine, and they were originally written in February and March. It's, it's April. These are recent documents. And they include things like estimated casualties on the side of the Russians, on the side of the Ukrainians, what equipment, what ammunition we have to give to Kiev. All of this stuff is out there on the internet. I've seen it. And, and, and there's one document, which I have not seen, I've been searching for, that says, that they they altered the death toll of Russians in the war and they inflate the death toll of Ukrainians. So now can we trust any of these documents that are out there on the internet? I, I you know I'm asking the question because I don't know the answer. There's reports on gathering intelligence on Israel that last time I checked that they were our ally. There's reports on us gathering intelligence on South Korea. Last time I checked, we're on their side, and apparently some of these documents tell the uh, extensive access to intelligence from inside of Russia's government. Now, how does that affect our espionage going forward? You know, would you feel safe if you had a you know wife, a husband? Working in, you know, the CIA for America right now in Russia? No, I mean, they're arresting reporters, never mind real spies. And the leaked information is everywhere, everywhere, on apps, it's on Twitter, it's on YouTube, it's on every social media platform. And you have to ask yourself, where do they come from? They look like photographs of classified Pentagon briefing reports that look like the, that they were folded up before the images were taken. That means somebody removed them, maybe put them in their pocket or put them in a briefcase, and and, and then took pictures of them and leaked them. Wow. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but, you know, I don't feel comf- confident or comfortable at all with this. And now, it doesn't matter if they delete them or move them, because everybody's got a screenshot. Lord have mercy. Oh, anyway, so as you can see, it was a rough weekend for some of us. It was a beautiful uh, Resurrection Sunday with a great service, but, you know, the dark clouds are rolling in. They're in. They're overhead. What are we going to do now? At least we ought to talk about it. So I thank you for your time this time until next time, and my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And may God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow.